Parrish, Illinois, a town of 250 people in 1925, with 40 buildings, suffered 22 deaths and lost all but three buildings when it was struck by an F5 tornado, known as the Tri-State Tornado. Come with us now on Midwest Ghost Town, Episode 2 of Tornado Ghost Towns. Hello and welcome to another Midwest Ghost Town podcast. My name is Dan Klein. I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town and abandoned history adventurer. I like to say on this channel, let's keep history alive. And one way we can certainly do this is by talking about it, making this podcast, which we try to post weekly on Mondays, and YouTube videos on Fridays, unless things come up in between and we need more time to produce footage and edit. However, we're in the middle of a three-part series where we are covering tornado ghost towns. And certainly we know we won't cover every ghost town created by tornadoes because certainly there are more than one, which you would think that would be impossible, but that's not the case in this scenario. In episode two today, we will be telling the story of the Great Tornado of 1925. And this is historically known as the Tri-State Tornado of 1925, which is known as the most deadly tornado in U.S. history. On March 18, 1925, the Great Tri-State Tornado tore across southeast Missouri, southern and eastern Illinois, and southwest Indiana. Listen to the stats of this tornado system. Three states, but it will be brought up later that possibly six to seven states were affected. Thirteen counties. 19 communities, six in Missouri, which were Ellington, where it started, Redford, Ladana, Annapolis, Cornwall, and Bale. And I hope I'm pronouncing these towns right, but we'll keep going. There were nine in Illinois, Gorham, Murfreesboro, DeSoto, Hurstbush, Ziegler, West Frankfurt, 18, Crossville, and Parrish, which a majority of this episode will cover. And there were three in Indiana, Griffin, Owensville, and Princeton. There was a 219-mile path that the tornado created. The tornado itself was three-fourths to one mile wide. There was three and a half to four hours of straight destruction. This was a recorded F5 tornado with winds that exceeded 300 miles per hour at some points. And now the staggering stats. 695 deaths, a record for a single tornado. There were 234 deaths in Murfreesboro, a record for a single tornado. And there were 33 deaths at DeSoto School, which was a record with a storm-related death in schools. Still to this day, those records hold 2,027 injuries and 15,000 homes destroyed. Property damage totaled $16.5 million. The worst course happening in Illinois where 613 lost their lives. And of course, when we back up a step and we talk about the $16.5 million on the property alone, this of course is in 1925. So go ahead and expand that dollar amount in your head and that just shows you the amount of devastation that this single tornado caused 
So let's turn our focus to Parrish, Illinois, because after the tri-state tornado struck the community, it literally wiped the town off the map and turned the fate of Parrish into a ghost town. Listen to the story. It was three o'clock on March 18th, 1925. It had been an unusually warm day for a March afternoon in Southern Illinois, but the day went on as usual, except for a gradual dark cloud growing in the west. The gradual cloud formation became a rapid change of gusting winds and a rumbling storm rolling into the tiny village of Parrish, Illinois. The owner of a general store, Clarence Lowman, eyed the storm rolling in, and with the roaring sound of the fast approaching tornado, he acted quickly, first yelling at his father-in-law and then his partner to take cover as he made a mad sprint for his home, which was a few blocks away. He wanted to warn his family of the oncoming twister, but it was too late. As Loman got closer to his home, a large blast of wind swept him over the railroad tracks near his house, and as he felt his body beginning to be lifted by the funnel cloud, he reached out for anything to hold on to and his hand quickly came down upon one of the rails, where he quickly held tight as it took every ounce of strength to keep his grip on the track. His legs began to lift horizontally, and soon he felt a large object hit him in the shoulder. He felt his arm snap, and the darkness overtook him. When Loman finally opened his eyes, he had realized the storm had passed, and rescue workers found him alive, still gripping onto the track. But he has sustained a broken arm and ribs, and miraculously, the only house left standing was his own residence that housed his wife, two children, and sister, who were all safe inside. However, his general store didn't meet the same fate. And with the store completely annihilated and his business partner crushed in the rubble. Interesting note, on that same day in 1925, there were a total of 12 tornadoes that worked a system that affected six to seven states. Three were little ones not affecting or hitting the F scale in ranking, Mizzou and Indiana twice. Two were rated F2s in Kansas and Alabama. Four were rated F3s in Kentucky and Tennessee. Two were rated F4s in Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee. And then the big one, the one rated F5, was the Tri-State Tornado. There were some important things that came out of this tornado. The importance of tornado warnings, which we'll talk about, and of course, Storm chasers, which we'll also talk more about considering keeping your eyes on the storm. So today, as we know in our own news, we've got storm chasers that let us know when the tornadoes are on the ground, where they're located, and just kind of keeping an eye on them. And this kind of leads to a story of my brother who actually was sitting down with me talking about tornadoes this past weekend. And he reminded me that when he worked for the radio station out in Grand Island, Nebraska, that he said that in fact, before he arrived to work at the radio station there there was a terrible tornado um to this day they buried all the rubble there's like a big hill or there, or there was in grand island of the destruction of this tornado because of that tornado hitting the city 
they really had um, eyes on the ground with many different storm chasers to make sure that they had eyes on where these systems were located. He was out chasing a tornado, found one, and it ended up being a tornado that kind of changed course and started heading directly towards him. He abandoned his car. He went into the ditch. He laid flat, and he was holding on to basically the grass. He said he didn't he wasn't really blowing around too much, but when he got up and got back to his car, his car literally was moved. And so thinking about the force of a tornado and, and the jobs of these storm chasers putting their lives in danger just so they can kind of keep an eye on what was going on, let's look at where we are today talking about the tri-state tornado. That was not the case. So they did not have the warning systems back then in 1925 that they have present day. And so these people, these villagers, and in this case, the miners, because Illinois happened to be the second largest producer of coal in the country, second to West Virginia, from my understanding. And so there was a lot of mining going on. And so there were stories of miners literally being stuck in the mine as this tornado kind of went over top. And of course, they were naturally below the destruction, but the worry was that their wives, their children, their families up top, their homes, and so stories of them digging themselves out, heading to escape shafts to make it back to the top only to find either their life in total ruin or their homes and their towns complete destruction. And one last thing, the tri-state tornado brought about change and how relief efforts came about. And this was really important to look at because looking at the ghost town of Parrish, for example, there is a story of how one doctor set out to help. Dr. Parlington was on his way south from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and while traveling through the Illinois countryside, he witnessed the tornado from about two miles away. As he was watching, he sat and observed it completely maul the town of Parrish and immediately changed course and drove to the nearby town of Thompsonville and gathered as many supplies as possible to aid in the medical effort. There wasn't a stable communication or warning system at the time and there was mass confusion from the destruction. Towns were unaware of the massive damage that neighboring towns had endured mainly due to the massive wreckage left behind from the storm. Communications were not only down, but completely gone. In fact, nobody knew of the annihilation of Parrish until the Illinois Central train came passing through and stopped after observing the destruction. When the crew saw the massive damage, they immediately turned around and headed back to Thompsonville to notify locals and seek help. As the train pulled into Thompsonville, Dr. Parlington had finished gathering medical supplies. It was perfect timing. Hopping the train, he organized the relief team and made his way to Parrish to begin treating the injured. And of course, having the train was equally beneficial as they began treating victims and sending the wounded back by the rails to area hospitals. The cleanup and recovery efforts were just the beginning. Tragically, some casualties were unrecognizable. People who grew up in the small town would only identify some victims by their familiar features, whether the color of their hair 
or if it was a specific worker they knew well, like a train depot worker with their uniforms. One woman was found a quarter of a mile from her home. Another found nestled in a group of trees half a mile away. There were broken bones, blood, and in many cases, complete body parts missing. One reporter driving into the town described it like this. The road into Parrish was lined with pieces of furniture, wagon wheels, clothing, bits of torn curtains, bedding, metal bedposts, dead fowl, trees, pieces of timber, and parts of wrecked furniture. Before the tri-state tornado left its destruction, the quiet, peaceful town of Parrish had around 250 people, 40 buildings, but in the tornado's wake, only the school, the Methodist church, and one resident was left standing in the middle of a war zone. Unlike other towns, Parrish never recovered and is now one with the ghosts. There are stories like Parrish where other ghost towns came to be because of the destruction and aftermath of a tornado. We hope to share more in our final episode three next week of Tornado Ghost Towns. Until that time, let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Towns.